Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are learning what it takes to let go, give in, ask for help, and surrender all. I'm joined by Rachel, a strong woman in recovery who has fought hard to build a life she can be proud of, one of joy, honesty, responsibility, and power. She will tell you it wasn't easy, and there were times she didn't see a way out. To be sitting here today, sober, hopeful, employed, and reunited with her family was something she never dreamt possible. But she met a counselor, a spiritual guide, who told her she deserved that and so much more. If you're struggling with addiction or substance abuse, or if you know someone who is, listen and pass it on. And if that hasn't reached your family, listen to a story of hope that may give you more than you bargained for. Well, hi, everybody. I am so excited to have Rachel Skurlock with me today. She is a big friend of mine, someone I just totally admire. I'm very, very excited to share her story with you. So hi, Rachel. Hi. <laughs> I'm so glad you're on today. Rachel has just a story of triumph. She has started over time and time again. She has lived through adversity. She has come out on the other side. She's still learning. She's still growing. And that's really part of her story. She can tell you where she started, where she went wrong, and where she got back on track and what she takes every day as inspiration and fuel to keep her going forward. I think you're just going to fall in love with Rachel as I have. And so Rachel, just to kind of kick us Hi. off, I'd love for the, the listeners to learn a little bit more about you. Who are you? And then obviously what made you where you are today? So we could just start out with just a little bit about you. Sure. Um, well, my name's Rachel Skurlock. I am 44 years old. I live in Rockford, Illinois. Um, I have two children, Jordan and Olivia Wiggers, and um, soon to be a grandma. So yes, yes. Um, my son and his girlfriend are having a baby. So um, I work in a trade. I work with the local up here in sheet metal. So um, yeah, and I mean, you're a big part of my story, Kendall, and <laughs> I know you had Mariah on here, and she's a huge part of my story, you know, so uh, yeah, I, I'm from Pinckneyville, Illinois, um, I was born and raised there, you know, uh, and I have uh, brothers, and I have two sisters and, and a brother, and uh, yeah, I live up here by myself, though, just me and my cat. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the path that's I took amazing. Life led me here. Yeah. So. That's how we kind of cross paths. So, yes, yes. you know, I, I was working, <laughs> that's right. I was working in a, uh, rehab facility for women and I got to meet Rachel. She was in my women connect group and, um, and she graduated from that group and she moved on and moved out of the area, which is so important when you're yes. working on sobriety is to get Absolutely. away people, places, and things got to change Absolutely. those moved yeah. up. And, and now we connect, uh, 
when we can, used to be a weekly, but we connect when we can in more of a sober fashion. And, um, and the same with Mariah, you know, we're, we're women that have connected together. We have common bonds and we lift each other up and encourage each other on a constant basis, which is so important. But yeah, you have quite the story. You're not the typical gateway goer. You, you have a long history but such an amazing history. So I think let's just, you know, the burning question is what led to your addiction. And so if you could kind of take us back and set that stage for us, I think it might help connect to other people that might be struggling with the same thing. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer, believer in a lot of it is genetics and there's a predisposition for some of us, you know, and unfortunately my mom, um, was an addict. You know, I grew up in a house that uh, normalized drug use and alcohol use and all of that for me, you know, and um, my mom had did the very best she could, I believe, which, you know, I blamed her my whole life up until this last um, time I went to rehab, you know, I thought it was her fault, you know, but uh, yeah, she did the best she could, you know, and Honestly, I think that's one of the things that kept me away from my children was, you know, that not wanting to put them through the same thing. Maybe if they don't see it there, it's not going to be a problem, you know, when you find out that it's some, it's made up in our DNA, you know, mm. for some of us. So, yeah, I started, um, I think, experimenting pretty young. I was 15, you know, but it was allowed, you know, I never had that structure in life or, um, you know, somebody saying, you know, this is, it's going to take you down a, uh, you know, a really dark path. And it, and it really did. And I maintained for a long time, you know, um, would try to straighten up, you know, and then, then I had the kids, you know, and thought I had it together, but, um, that, that wasn't the case. And, and my disease, it, it progressed on, you know, yeah, when you say maintain, out. kind of go back to that because I think so many people are living that kind of precarious life where, you know, they're just dabbling in certain things, yeah. whether it's alcohol or drugs. And, you know, a lot of people don't associate addiction with abuse, right? right. So they think, right. well, hey, I go to work every day. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not one of those people that have to drink or drug first thing in the morning. So I must be perfectly fine, but we know that's a slippery slope. So when it you is. say maintain, what kind of describe what that meant in your day to day? Oh yeah. So, um, it had basically started out with, um, you know, um, the lesser of the evils, you know, um, I could drink on the weekends. I was taking care of my kids. They were going to school. The house was clean. Um, my marriage was still intact, you know, um, that's maintaining for me, you know, but as it progressed and, you know, I, uh, experimented with other drugs, I got a hold of that one, that one that I couldn't let go of. And it wasn't letting go of me, you know, and that's really, I feel like when I had given, given up on you know, thinking that I was going to have any other life than the one, honestly, that my mother had had, you know, and I just literally walked away. I had tried to clean up. Um, I couldn't do it, you know, and the kids, dad was not having it. Thankfully, thank God for him. You know, um, he wasn't having it. You know, he's like, you can't, 
you can't be here. You can't be around these guys. And it was the probably the best thing that happened to them because they are um, amazing, you know, <laughs> but it was. It, I went with my mom, you know, we used together yeah. and, you know, and we had talked before. Uh, so my mom had passed away three weeks before, you know, my last um, rehab stay. And that was April, um, April of 2019. So, uh, yeah, I think we open, you know, those of us that are predisposition to that, you know, um, the first time we take ourselves out of, uh, ourself, so to say, you know, that we find that release of that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's always there you know, forever. I'm an addict. I crossed a line I can't uncross. So what do I do from there? And when you say the one, can you describe what was the one that hooked you? The one that hooked me was heroin. Yeah. And it grabs me and it did not let go. You know, it just, it, it ruined me. And I, I could not see any way out. Once you, once an addict gets to that point, they're living on the streets. I have track marks. I, you can't get a job. Like it's really, really hard for people to come back from that. I mean, there's a lot more resources now than when, you know, when I first started using, it was still pretty taboo, you know, and it wasn't talked about as if it is now where you've got people that are willing to help, you know, and more open-minded to the fact that, I'm somebody's daughter or, you know, somebody's parent or somebody's sister, you know, and that's hard to see when you're looking at somebody on the street, you know, but that is totally true. And you walked. So do you think because you had your mom and your mom was using, and you know, there's that, I'm sure you had a friend relationship with your mom and a drug addict friendship, but do you think you use that as an excuse to say not, you know, that kind of thing, like, well, this is just what I've been on. Yeah, for, absolutely. So I gave up go. years and years ago on ever thinking that I was going to be able to have a different life and actually just used it as, well, I'm just like my mom. Well, you guys are right. I'm just, and other people too, like, oh, even as far as I would think my family, like you can't help her. We can't help her, you know? Yeah. So, and I believed that myself, I believed honestly until I met Mariah, Yeah, you know, and, um, that there was no, nothing was going to change for me. And you find, you know, that one person, those couple people, you and Mariah changed everything about my last stay at Gateway. I've been there. I've been to Gateway five times, five times. So you always like, while you were on the street, so you walked away walked away from husband, dissolved relationship, walked away from the children, limited contact, right? Yes. Um, living on the streets. Um, how bad did it get? So bad. So yeah. bad that I look at that person. I, I hurt for her. Um, the things that she did, you know, um, to herself, to people, uh, just the way that I was living. So if you read a book um, in recovery, it's the NA book and it talks about, you know, being reduced to animal like inst- and that's what we are. And I lived like that, literally getting food out of a dumpster and um, just the, the lowest point of my life, you know, and I can't sitting here now 
don't know who that is and how she got there sometimes, you know, and, uh, it's just, it's sad, you know, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's a, it's a sad thing. It's a lot of, a lot of what I do now falls back onto like a lot of that guilt that you carry through them years, you know, and that those what ifs and I should haves and all of that. I try never to let those come into my vocabulary anymore because like, there's a lot of time wasted there for not just me, my family, my family suffered, you know, we're, we we're out there and we're using, and we're doing this stuff. And we think, well, we're not hurting anybody but ourselves. And the realization is, is that we are hurting everybody we come in contact with in one way or another, you know? Wow. That so, is powerful to think about it that way. Cause you're right. You almost get into this point where you feel invisible. Yeah. Like nobody, well, nobody sees what I'm doing. I'm perfectly right. fine. Nobody sees me because we know that addiction is you, a, a person that has an addictive personality or is addicted, they can justify anything anything. Oh yeah. It can go through their mind and they can rationalize and, uh, make excuses for every single thing. And one of those excuses are, this is the way I'm supposed to be. I'm not going to get any better. My, my children deserve better. My husband deserves better. I deserve what I'm getting. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to get better. So the first time you went to rehab, how did that happen? Was that a choice or did you get into the system? How did that happen? Into the system. You know, I don't feel like I ever signed up for rehab. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to rehab today. You know, um, maybe once I had, but you know, I was, I got in the, in the judicial system, you know, and got myself in some trouble. And it's only by the grace of God that, you know, at the very end of my using, they were like, we're going to try this. We're going to, we're going to let you see what you can do, you know? And, uh, it's, it, it's amazing really. Yeah. For somebody that had, I should have been in prison or dead. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. we know, we know, and that's going to be part of our talk today is how many times God has saved you for sure. But sure. when you think about, you said, and this is so important because for people that are listening that don't have really the point of context to know about how to get to rehab or who's in rehab. Many people that are in rehab did not choose to be in rehab. They are ordered to go to rehab. They might've had an intervention from their family or from the court system. And so is that part of the failure of your several stints is you just didn't buy into why you were there? Give me an idea of when you fail, what could you have done differently the first time? Like, uh, why do you fail at rehab? What I did with myself after rehab. So, um, I am a firm believer in that the rehab gives you time and tools. So everything about what you do, the moment that you leave there is going to set you up if you're going to fail or if you're going to make it. So, um, every time, every time I'd been there, I'd heard them say, you need to go to a recovery home or somewhere else, you know, and I just didn't feel like I ever was going to be able to do that. You know, I didn't want to leave. I wasn't going to leave my mom. And then there's always this pullback, you know, and fear. So, uh, 
I think it's every time I failed, I went right back to where I was. So, and since we're, you know, I want to be honest about this, you know, a lot of the times for, for somebody that's coming in on, off of an opiate, you know, we're medicated and I fully believe that sets us up to fail also. And I'm, you know, I was medicated the last time I left too, you know, I had just chose to come off of it in a very stable place, you know. I think all those factors play into it. I'm not against medically assisted um, help because obviously, you know, um, but I think after a prolonged period of time on it, it is um, destructive. It is it's the exact opposite of what you're supposed to be doing, you know, so. So you think it, it sets you up for failure and it, are you thinking of I'm that a drug addict right I'm right right sell the drugs you're giving me and get the drugs i want right right or i've learned to manipulate the drugs you're giving me so i mean it's just it's really just it's a cycle you know right. and it really just comes down to how bad do you want this how bad do you want your life to change That's you it. know so i have lost so many people the drugs today are not like the drugs that were there were out when I was in high school. They're not. And that's just how it is. You know, chances are you're going to die or somebody close to you is going to die. You know, they're not so the much same. stronger, much stronger so today. Much. So much yeah. stronger. Yeah. Do you think easier to get to than, than back in your day or a really Absolutely. much easier? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What do you, you know, think, you know, why we're on that before we, you know, uh, crawl out of this and, and learn what happened in that, the rehab stint that did work. What do you think, what kind of advice could you give to parents that, uh, that had a Rachel, you know, that might need to look and, and be aware of things? Is there, it, and, and you parented your own daughter now who's still yes. young enough to, you know, for us yeah. to worry about. Right. Yeah. But so what, what kind of advice, first of all, would you give as warning signs to look out for? And then what would you say you could do um, to provide guidance as a parent that is worried about um, addiction for their, their children? Um, so being honest with your children we have all through high school. I'm some, at some point in your life, somebody's tried something. I think just being honest with them, communication, I think is everything. Be their parent, not their friend. Absolutely. If it, and that's a fine line there because you want your kids to talk to you. You know what I, but you have to educate yourself also, you know, and be educated if that's not something you ever did. Drugs are so, having teenagers is shocking to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's just being open-minded and being honest, be that parent that they feel like they can come talk to. If you're the screaming, hollering, gonna spaz out parent, they're never, they're never going to come talk to you about what's going on with them, you know? And that's so important. I'm so glad that me and my kids, even with my situation can come and talk to me about stuff like that. I'm going to help you. Yeah. I'm not going to enable you, but I'm definitely going to help you. I'm going to give you my experience because even with my kids watching what I've went through, they've experimented and we've had mm -hmm. to sit and talk about it, but I, I'm not mad at you. You're, you're 17 years old, but I want to talk to you. I want to give you some of my experience. 
you know, yeah. people were like, oh, I can't believe they do that with everything you've been through. Well, they're, they're not me. And, and that's another thing, like, they're not me. I don't know if they're addicts, you know, and unfortunately that's a, that's a Russian roulette game right there. If you want to play and find out, I'll be here for you. I know where you can go to get help, you know, but at some point you're seven, 17, 18, you're making your own choices. I can't do that for you. Yeah. You know? That's such a good point too, because so many people go into, you know, now marijuana is legal mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously alcohol is legal and you can easily get drugs. People yeah. just don't realize what their tolerance levels are and what their yeah. limitations are because not yeah. everybody is the same. And, you know, I used to, to counsel women and um, it's, it is, is it unfortunate that you're 25 and you're now an addict and you can no longer, or you're an alcoholic and you could, Yes, that is unfortunate. Are there people that have social drinks their entire life and never have a problem with abuse? Yes. Why did that happen to you? I don't know. But we don't know what our limitations are. So it is a very slippery slope. The more you push that boundary. It is. It is. And there is no going back, you know, and I'll just jump into that while we're talking about it, you know. So um, my original clean date was April... 30th of 2019. And on August 28th of this year, you know, I wanted to be that normal person again. I didn't understand why, you know, um, I wanted to be that person that could go have that drink. I was going through so much and I was so scared and had regressed back away from God and what I thought, you know, what I wanted in life. And I just, and I drank and I did. And it was I didn't give up. I'm going to say that, but I'm, there has been consequences and I'm not talking about, I didn't lose things in my life again. I didn't lose my family and my friends. Um, there was that the mental consequence of it for me, you know, however, a humbling experience it's been for me. Um, people go through that and I may have judged those people sitting in my meetings, you know, when they come back in, I'm like, Oh, how could they do that? You know? You've had all this time. How could you do that? Well, I found out and I have so much more compassion for them. And then why don't they come back? Yeah, I know now because when you, you establish this and you go into a room and you've been this person for three years and you have to come back in and be like, mm, I drank, you know, the judgment and the, or maybe not even judgment, but what you feel like is judgment is going to keep you from coming back in and getting the help you need. So yeah, the shame, the shame that you feel, you feel it, you're radiating the shame, but you feel like it's coming from everywhere else. And, And you know, when you say lost, you lost your sober date, you know, and and, and in your mind, you're going to think I've lost everything that I've worked for. Yeah, but I haven't, you know, I did it. if anybody out there struggling has been in and went back out, you know, um, you haven't, it's just a new chapter, you know, it's just something, you know, something new, you start over, you know, take a deeper look, build your relationship with God. And I promise you, that's what's kept me. Um, I have amazing people in my life up here. Um, amazing people. Uh, but people are people, right? That's right. Yeah. And you have to, that's the biggest lesson I took from this. Um, 
I think we see people in recovery and they're talking about being spiritual and we want to put them on a pedestal, but honestly, we're just all people. You That's know? it. And, yeah. And, uh, and people, you're right. You have to get to that point where you have to forgive yourself and know you're just human. And you're right. You have those tools. You have that time served, so to speak in your sober life. But, you know, you and I were talking about that. There's, there's so much that goes into getting somebody sober. You know, we, 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 we work on that, work on that. It's all about the the programs and the 30 day programs and let's get them detox. Let's get them clean. Let's get, but, but what we're forgetting is now we've got a sober person that was once dependent, still has addiction issues. And now they're trying to live a sober life. And that, where are we through their journey? Where's the support through their journey? Right. Because the newcomer coming into a meeting, you are the most important person. You know, what about the person that's been sitting in the chair for four or five years that's struggling? So I've never paid a bill in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I literally, when I tell you I live the streets, that's what I did. I had no bank accounts. I had no car payments. I had nothing to take care of. There was nothing. I, I stole the feet myself. You know, I didn't have this. So when, um, life is progressing and my life is getting better and changing, even those changes that are amazing are, I'm terrified here. Am I going to walk into a room full of people and say that people that I think I've been doing so great? No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. You need to, but I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> I was going to say, you are you giving yourself into- advice or <laughs> yeah. Do you want to walk into a room and you're 40 years old and be like, how do I set up my Wi-Fi? <laughs> you know, or you know, budgeting myself. It's just all those things we don't think about because if you've lived like I have, you don't know how to be an adult. That's what I love about you and Mariah also. And I'm just gonna put that out there is that you've been here this whole journey and you do that for not just me, not just friends. You guys do that for people. You're making a real difference in people's lives because yeah there's a lot of people willing to help in the beginning, but you get your life going and it's like people fade out, you know, and it's, it's scary. And then you're alone again, you know, which is another reason you got to build that relationship with God too. I think that's so so good. And you might've touched on something, Rachel, actually, um, because we, you know, you continue to go to to meetings. That's what sobriety support kind of is. And, but you're in those meetings, sometimes you're rehashing past, past struggles, and you're not really focused on those futuristic things that you need. Yeah. Just like you said, like you're, you're late to the game. You're blazing yeah. this trail later in life. Yeah. Um, now I know that's not all you do because your group actually gets together and does uh, events do. and, and, and you yeah. hang out and, and, and that's so amazing, but you might have t- stumbled onto something and it's almost like life skills. You know, getting together and hey, let's do a workshop on balancing your checkbook or let's do a workshop on this. Um, I think that's a resume. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, that's Um, those skills is super important because we don't know how to do that. Yep, I don't know how to do that, you know, and uh, it's needed. I mean, you need to be able to do that and uh, to take care of yourself. Exactly. And expressing your fears. I think that's so important. You know, 
sobriety and going to a program is not just about, hi, my name is Rachel. I'm an addict. You know, right. it's been X amount of days since I've been clean. Yuck, yuck, yuck. By really opening up and sharing, hey, I'm afraid to sign this lease. I'm yeah. afraid of having a car payment. I'm afraid, right. you know, opening up and exposing because the power of a meeting, I, I hope everybody has gotten this by listening to Encouragementology because I'm a huge support group advocate, but you're not just going there to check in like a Weight Watchers, right? It's not just about right. keeping you accountable. The right. idea is to open up and to share, share your yes. success, share yes. your fears, yes. connect with people yeah. um, is so, so important and feel accepted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because I, how, are, how, how am I getting help if somebody else isn't talking about what they've been going through? Um, and how am I going to ever help anybody else if I'm not going to come in and talk about it? And I just talked about this in a meeting the other day about how I don't do that. And and I, and I need to, you know, we always think, oh, so I say for myself, I've said this to you guys before, like, I don't have anything that's going to help anybody. Mm. That's such a, I'm going through so much and I have so much to, to say to help somebody, but it's something happens. You go in there and that vulnerability yes. and as addicts, as people that have used, we've been taken advantage of, and we've taken advantage of people. That is the hardest thing I've had to overcome is being vulnerable mm. because it's, it's a sign of weakness. Like I'm going to be manipulated in some way or, you know, and I feel like a lot of people feel like that. Oh, you know? I'm sure. Absolutely. I'm, that's one of the hardest things. So think about that. Um, you seven times into a rehab, right? Seven yes. times. What made the last time, the last time? So, um, <clears throat> A couple weeks before I had gotten arrested, and this was also in April, my mom had passed away and I hadn't seen her for like a year and a half. She went to the nursing home. Um, the last time I seen her, mm. but I'm going to tell you what, when I got to, when I got to the, to the church, I hadn't seen my kids in many years wow. or their father. Um, and you're still active addiction right now. Yes, I am. Yeah. Hi, I'm coming to the church. Hi, I'll tell you, I got high in the church. It was a terrible experience for me, um, but one that set me on this path. You know, yeah. um, my daughter and my son held me as if I hadn't walked out on them all them years ago. And I looked at my mom's casket as I'm mourning her because I loved her and just realize that this is what my kids have been doing for the last seven years is mourning the loss of their mom. And I'm alive. Wow. And it was heartbreaking. Um, and it sat with me and that is just another one of the things I didn't know that my life was going to change. Um, my sister was taking my daughter to get a dress for a dance and was actually going to allow me to be a part of that. And and I was high and I wasn't going to be able to go. And <clears throat> I remember hitting my knees and just being like, God, I cannot do this anymore. Like, I cannot do this. Help. And yeah. well, I went to jail less than four hours later. <clears throat> mm -hmm. so, and they, they had had it, you know, I was on drug court. I had just caught two more felonies. Um, and I met Mariah and she prayed with me. 
And um, I don't know technically if you're really supposed to do that, but she did. And she just planted the seed of faith, like God loves you and you're worth it, you know, and we can do something different here. And I just went with it. I was so scared. She had me fill out the application for the Greendale recovery home up here. And I didn't think I was going to get in. And we were actually on the phone with outpatient. I was going back to West Frankfurt and nothing was going to change. And I knew that I knew what was going to happen when I got out and I'm on the phone with outpatient and I'm in tears. The other phone rings and this is exactly how it happened. And it was the recovery home saying I got in and I'm on one phone crying. Mariah's on the other phone and she's like, hang up. And gateway actually brought me the six hour drive to Rockford Um, They let me stay there for, I think it was like three or four days for free. They didn't charge anything. And to make sure, you know, I don't know if it was because they were tired of me coming to Gateway. (laughs) But maybe a little of both. Maybe a little of both. Um, It it changed my life. Wow. And in each situation, um, you stayed in Gateway longer than you were supposed to stay. So first of all, let's say this down on her knees, surrendered to God. She surrendered. She'd been fighting all these years, surrendered. Four hours later, she's in jail, goes to rehab, 30 day rehab. She stays three months. Now that's unheard of because when you're in there, people are trying to stay longer. The ones that really want to get help are trying to stay longer and their insurance and everything kicks them out. And a lot of them have to leave before they're really ready. So 30 day treatment. You're there three months. You go, you at the last minute, you get a call for Rockford. You go five hours, six hours up North. You're only supposed to be there. How long? Just a few months. I mean, probation, I was in a lot of trouble. Um, and I was on drug court and probation was like, we'll let you go for a couple months, but you got to come back, you know, and I'm in this thing for five months and call probation. And they're like, we don't know what to do with you. We didn't expect this. We didn't expect you to make it. Well, why would they? Yeah. And I mean, I think God just really stepped in there and was like, this is where she's supposed to be. You know, you asked, yeah, I did probation from up here and I finished and, uh, that probation officer, the, I ran from these people for years. <laughs> Turns out they're the ones that really helped me. <laughs> yeah. See, they were just trying to catch you for a good reason. Just for a good reason. Yeah. So I think things just lined up. Yeah, I think it did, but, but not without a lot of, a lot work. of work on I your mean, part. It was a lot. I was scared. I came to Rockford with a suitcase, no money, no job, no family. Nobody wanted anything to do with me by the time I got up here. Right. And I was scared and it took me a long time to find a job. Nobody wanted to hire me. I'm a felon. It just was a lot of, a lot of people believing in me when I didn't believe in myself, a lot of prayers going up. I, I built my connection with God way before I built my connection with anybody in recovery Uh, for that connection with God. I would not have made it. Plus, you know, also my recovery family up here, but yeah, it's, and now it can great be job. Done. I have great a great job. job. You're I have in union school job. or have you already yes, graduated I, union school? Um, no, I still have a couple more years left of school. So yeah, I'm doing an, 
apprenticeship program and uh, listen, it can be done, you know? So you wouldn't recognize me. I wish I could just post my mugshot somewhere for everybody to see because it's like, that can't be the same person. Exactly. Yeah. I'm looking at somebody, you know? Yeah. It, and that's the thing, you know, it hasn't been perfect. You've had days of doubt and days of fear. I've made so many mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, one of the things I don't want to, I don't want to miss this before we wrap up, but you had, you, you said to me a long time ago, you had to attack this differently. You had to do things differently. Not only were you far enough away, but you realized that given your own time and your own schedule to do anything you wanted to do, you got into trouble. So yes, you every actually, every in, in, in rehab or um, in your sober living, you had a structured worksheet. Yes. And you took that home with you for years. Yes. Yes. I still have them. Yeah. yeah, And that's what planning your, your hours, plan your day out. And I'm talking like 30 minutes by 30 minutes. If that's what you got to do, we are our own worst enemy and left to our thoughts. We'll destroy ourselves. That's right. So quickly. So that is so powerful. Yeah. And so you're, you're on track, you're back on track. And one of the most exciting portions, not only did she get that great big hug from her children when she started this sober, the, the, the journey to get sober, but she has got to reconnect with her family. She has got to go to some pretty monumentous occasions. Tell us about those. Absolutely. So I can say that I missed a lot, you know, and I talked about that, like what we missed, but there's so much still in the future. You know, I have got to see my daughter drive and my son graduate and basketball games and proms. And uh, my daughter's graduating this year. My son is going to be a father and I'm there for all of it. You know, the most, I'm going to try to say this without crying. So this is the child that I left. I abandoned him, you know, and they find out they're having a baby and he calls me and he says, mom, can you, can you come home? Can you come stay with us? Can you help me with this baby? And everything that I went through, every, um, emotion and fear and thought in just the darkest of times is nothing compares to that moment right there. That moment, I'm never going to arrive anywhere. But if my children can look at me and say, will you be a part of of my children's life? You know, after everything that I've done, that's love. You know, that's every reason. If I'm having a bad day, I can definitely look at them. I didn't get clean for them because they weren't talking to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they're definitely my motivation, you know. And there yeah. is, there's a future, you know, that and I God can... had so many more blessings for you. So many. So many. And they're you know, one of them. Yeah, they are. They're amazing. They're most resilient and even their father. And I'm just going to, you know, and his girlfriend, Sarah, they're amazing to me. You know, I came back in their life and <laughs> just here I am again, you know, and they didn't know whether to trust me or talk to me. I had to call my kids every day. I messaged them every morning and they even will talk about this just, and they wouldn't even respond to me for like seven or eight months. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm still just continuing. Like I'm here, I'm going to do this. We tell people all the time, 
you know, I'm going to get clean. I'm going to get clean. Really, honestly, in the moment, we mean it for anybody out there that's just listened to this from somebody like, hey, I'm going to get clean. And then we rob you. No, in that moment, we mean it with everything in us. It's just so much harder than what you think. There's so much more, so much more that it involves other than just putting a drug down. As an addict, you'll pick something else up. That's right. You've really got to fix yourself. You've got to fix internally. And when I say fix yourself, I mean, you've got to like surrender that to God and allow him to fix you and allow people to help you, you know? So man, Rachel, that is, I could talk to you all day. That is so, thank you for having me. Yeah. That is so, so wonderful. I'm, I'm excited about your success. We're going to keep following you you along. And when you're a grandma and you're just doing so many amazing things, you know, starting over is always an option and always always an option and surrender it to God and let him fix you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me Mm. on. And I love you so much. And I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much. share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, become aware of your own ups and downs along your journey as you open yourself up to accept and learn from others. Reach out, ask for help, and surrender all. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How